Hopefully you had a good and restful and enjoyable Christmas. Um, I hope you received everything you wanted. If not, there's uh, 359 days left of shopping, so you can get your get whatever you wanted, whatever you didn't get on your list. Um, ours was good. Our house was very, very full. I got the socks I always want, and I, I'm not kidding. I like I get a certain pair of socks that Debbie's dad gets me every year, and I got those, so life is good. Um, and Debbie's trying to give me her cold, but I'm not taking it. I just it's just almost there. So, but. Um, Anyway, I didn't want that. So now, here we are, uh, 2018, year in review. I don't know why we do it January 1st, but we do. We see all the magazines talking about the year in review. Um, we have TV programs that talk about the year in review. Um, they talk about all the famous people that have died, who married who, who broke up with who, um, top movies of the year, top songs, and all the uh, tragic things that happen as well throughout the year. And for some reason we do it this time of year. I'm not sure why we don't do it August 1st, but we seem to do it January 1st every year. Just a natural time, I guess, to look back. So uh, with that being said, how was your 2018? Um, for some, overall, this is a good year, and you wish you were like, you know, Bill Murray and Groundhog Day, and you like to do it over and over again. And uh, for others, it came with the tremendous trials and heartache and challenges and suffering, and you're just thankful to be through with 2018, looking forward to 2019, hoping that things will be better because it can't be any worse. Um, I also know that some of you are saying, you know, who cares about December 31st? I'm still going through it, you know. I'm still right through the middle of the trial, and uh, I can't look back because I'm still living it. Um, I recently joined a mentoring group, and the leader challenged us uh, a few weeks ago to pray on a word for the year. And um, I've never done that before, but I thought that was kind of a kind of a cool concept. So, but what made me do think, it made me think of what would the word have been in 2018 if I was to pray to word, or what would my what would the word be? And for me, the word was loss, and that's what I'm going to talk to you today about. Um, and, uh, you know, first off, um, it's pretty obvious. I've lost 150 pounds since where I was a year ago this time. So that's like a, uh, I feel like a Weight Watchers or something. I, I was going to put a picture up there, but it, it would be, uh, it's too bad. Um, but, uh, yeah, 150 pounds, it's crazy. It's like I lost a person I've been dragging along my whole life. And um, it, it's really been life-changing, and I've had so many of you guys come up and go, oh my goodness, in fact, I had two or three people come up just today, so those who didn't know me before, I can show you a picture, but it was, it's not pretty, it's not pretty. So I'm feeling much, much better. That was a significant loss in my life this last year. It was a good loss. Um, for another loss we had is Debbie, or Debbie. Gracie went off to college this year, so we're now empty nesters, and that is an interesting, in fact, even just to say it seems really weird, so we're adjusting to that reality of just Debbie and I um, in the house, and uh, there's times, I think we went out to dinner a while back, and we were just sitting there eating, and I looked across the table, and Debbie just had kind of funny look on my face, and I said, this is it, right? You know, it just kind of was really, uh, just kind of was weird, weird moments, so this is it, hopefully we like it. Um, <laughs> So uh, it, that's been a real adjustment. Um, 
But I had a third uh, very significant loss that I want to share with you this morning. Um, but before I do, I want to read a scripture because it kind of, it's something that's been going through my mind um, the last several months. And it's James 4, 13 through 16. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Those are pretty strong words that James throws out there. But those words I have churned and churned in my mind over the last several months. Um, I can be a little bit of a control freak. Um, I don't think I'm a controlling person, but you should ask Debbie about that, but I don't, think, I don't think I'm a controlling person, but I am definitely a control freak. It's part of who I am. It's, I'm not sure why. It's just the way I am. Um, I like to worry about every possible scenario and control in the future, so I like to think through what might happen and think of all the scenarios, and it drives people nuts. Um, but it's how, I get, it's how I control my future. And um, I don't like sudden changes. Um, I like to be in control of my own destiny. Um, I like to count on things that I can touch and feel. Um, it's unfortunately, that's where I get my security. And that's a, just a true confession. That's who I am. Um, so when things in my life go bump, um, it makes me very, very uneasy. And the way I handle it is I worry, worry, worry. And what does the Bible say about worry? Matthew 6, 25 through 34 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. October 4th, 2017, so a little over a year ago, uh, my security was rocked in a very serious way, and not a lot of people know about it. I've kept it. few people know about it. Um, my company, Dallas Glass, I started 28 years ago, um, was pulled out from under me, underneath me in such a dramatic way that I did not see it coming, just flat out didn't see it coming. Um, it was as sudden as an earthquake in my life, and it rocked me in a way that I've never been rocked before. And all of my great planning and scheming was gone like that. I had a lot of 
pride and boasting about my business. Talked about all the jobs I did, how many people I had employed, all these kind of things. It was really where I'd gotten so much of my identity for 28 years. And it was gone. And how did that happen? Uh, well, without going into a whole lot of detail, I mean, I could, believe me, and Debbie would, is appreciating that I'm not going into detail. Uh, it would take all afternoon. Um, but I'll just keep it in a real simple term. Uh, it's what happens in business when you're a minority owner and there's a majority owner. Kind of like the bank calling your note. So, um, you know, who, he who has control of the majority of an ownership of the company has some power. And so it was gone on October 4th, 2017. So a little over a year ago, but I spent this last 12 months really, really working through it. Um, it's been incredibly difficult for me, um, personally, professionally, spiritually, and every way you can think of. Um, I have woken up at 3 a.m. not being able to sleep. I don't even know how many times. I'm sure you guys have had that happen before. I'm the type of person to go right to sleep under stress, but I wake up at the middle of the night. I can't sleep. And um, I must confess that I was awful around those around me. Uh, my family um, and the friends that I had shared this with, I think they really got to the point, and the elders, because elders were aware, that, you know, they said, oh, man, here comes Darren. You know, let's go the other way. Because it was, I, mean, I became obsessed with it. It was really, really, really difficult. Um, and see, I, the reason why is I'd placed my security on something that I could grasp hold of, and I could see, and I could control, I thought, and I thought I had control of my own destiny. You know, it was my business, and um, which, looking back, was really, really foolish of me. And um, as I said, when my world is rocked, when my world is rocked, I worry. And I worry, and I became really bitter during this last year. And I wish I could say that I had this great awakening, and uh, I just put it all in God's hands and let it go. I wish I could say that. But um, this past year has been so up and down with so many things changing back and forth that uh, I, I really felt like my chain was being yanked over and over and over again, that it was sometimes daily. It would be a phone conversation or a side mark or an email, and it would just completely rock me again. And that's the way this had been this whole last year. And now as I look back, as it's for the most part pretty much behind me, I am so frustrated that I allowed this situation to get the best of me in this way. Um, because I had, I don't know, this year there were so many great events that happened. Um, yeah, there's just, I don't know, we just, I just, there were so many great events that happened. I mean, you know, Gracie graduating her last year at home, and I just, this overwhelmed me so much that I had, I was just kind of a, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where you're kind of like just an out-of-body experience where you're just kind of in the motions and you're really not engaged and I was having a really, really hard time engaging. And I just let this situation just completely sap me of so much joy that there was around me. And I'm frustrated with myself. And the situation isn't what robbed me. It was my reaction to the situation is what robbed me of the joy. And the situation was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. But I don't think I had to think I could handle the, the situation a little better. So now looking back, that is behind me for the most part. I can just see how faithful that God was in all this. Um, many times, you know, especially recently, Debbie and I have 
just sat back and go, can you believe how faithful God has been in all this? Um, I mean, incredibly faithful. Even though I was terribly unfaithful. Um, you know, uh, and the thing is that I should have remembered is that this situation, it didn't shock God. God didn't go, oh my goodness, can you believe what just happened to Darren? I mean, now what are we going to do? I mean, this is this is our plan for him for this whole his whole life, and now you know, he, now what are we going to do? I mean, it didn't shock God at all, and um, and I should remember that. And we have examples in the Bible of that happening. I mean, you look at you look at Joseph, who is taken by his brothers who love him supposedly and support him, and they sell him off to be a slave in Egypt. And he remains faithful. He's doing everything he's supposed to. And then he gets accused of something wrong and gets put in the prison. I don't think there's any time when Joseph goes, hey, this is what my plan is going to be. Um, but, you know, again, it didn't shock God. I mean, now as you look back and you can read, it's easy for us to look and say, well, this was God's plan all along. But me in the midst of it, I should have been able to see that. Um, but I just it, just, it just got me going so much. So, um, God was faithful to me way beyond what I deserved. Um, I was a far cry from Joseph in the situation. I, I was more like um, the Apostle Thomas, who doubted God. I, I doubted that he really knew what was going on. I mean, I, I really did. I thought, you know, there's no way. I don't even see my. I don't even see a situation. I'm going to be stuck in this situation, and I didn't rest on God's great um, providence. And um, instead, I spent three o'clock in the morning, figuring out how am I going to get out of this. So um, I'm just so thankful that even though I gave up hope, God never did. So um, I've learned a lot through this year. Um, you know, God refined me. God has a tendency to refine you and just, it's not fun though. I mean, refine is like, you know, talk about refine, refiner's fire. I mean, I feel like I went through the fire. And... Um, but it's been it, it, it's it's been really really good, and um, I'm just I, I learned a lot. One of the things I learned was is that work and my career and that security that I had had become way too important for me, and so that's been a good refiner for me. Um, and um, anyway, so as I as I kind of wrap this up, what what has become too important? for you in your life? Where does your security lie? You know, we all have our places that we put our security in um, here on this very, very fragile earth. Uh, maybe it isn't your job or career like it was for me, um, but maybe for you it's your health, and you eat right and you exercise. Not, not saying you shouldn't do that, but, you know, you're going, okay, I just, you know, I'm so caught up in my health and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, maybe it's your 401k balance or your savings or maybe it's your house. And I think of California and Derek's parents. I mean, you know, just gone in an instant. Um, you know, maybe it's your wife or your family that you hold your security in. And uh, every day we hear of tragic stories or you hear about people that have had everything they thought was lost. And we just go, man, thank goodness it wasn't me. And, um, but, you know, we never know when it can be us, and we are going to lose it all. I mean, we don't see a U-Haul towed by a hearse. You know, we can't take it with us, and sometimes we lose it right here on earth. Um, 
our faith and our security has to be first and foremost with God. And, um, I mean, he's the provision in our life, not the things here on this earth. There's no security in there. They're so temporary. They can and they do get ripped from our grasp at times. And then when, we, then when that's where our security is, where do we turn? Because we've lost that, that foundation. Um, I'm not sure why I went through this. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why um, I did. Um, but God did bring me through this. I, I know that now. And um, regardless of my actions, because my actions were not great, he still brought me through. He was still faithful to do that. And this is a great learning experience. I'm still learning through it. Um, for the most part, it's over, but I've still got some more refining to do. Um, it was painful, and I wish I hadn't gone through it. I wouldn't wish it for anyone, but I'm grateful and thankful and that God was faithful. And um, so, but where about you and where are you going today? Are you going through the middle of it? Have you just got past it? If you haven't, it's maybe right behind you, and you just don't even know it yet. You know, it's just that one step around the corner. And the good news is that God's not shocked about what you're going to go through. He's not going to go, oh, my goodness, now what are we going to do? Um, he's, he knows exactly. It's not a surprise. Um, you know, like Matthew said, we can rest on his faithfulness, that we don't have to worry, we don't have to stress. It's in his hands. Um, you know, just rest in the fact that God has it under control, even in the midst of just awful, awfulness. Um, he can bring you through it, anything, um, when the rug is pulled out from underneath you. So the thing is, is, you know, God has it in control, you know. Are you willing to give it to God? And um, that's why I've learned this past year. And so I'm looking forward to 2019. Uh, I don't want to repeat a 2018. <laughs> I don't want to be Bill Murray. So thank you. Darren's story is yours and my story. It's all of humanity's story. It's not maybe in regard to a response to business, but it's how we view life, uh, our expectations about life. Turn in Matthew 26 and, and follow along with me. Uh, to capsulize it, I really like the serenity prayer. Right old neighbor, early 1900s, came up with a way to condense a lot of deep, theological uh, thoughts that have many layers to them that I think are very profound and it's such practical application of scripture. And the one I want to direct our thoughts is going to tie into uh, Darren's words and where we're headed with communion is God help me to accept life the way it is, not as I would have it. And I think that's very hard for us because it demands us to accept good news, but it also demands us to accept bad news. And I think like Darren rehearsed, we will go to great lengths to keep bad news as far away from us as possible. We will create fantasies and illusions. We will pretend, we will blame, we will justify, we will do anything because we have such an aversion to bad news. But I think scripture is clear. Certainly life is clear. No matter how hard you try, it's inevitable bad news is going to come into your life. Christians, we are called to be sober-minded. Realize 
and help us, God, to accept life the way it is, not as I would have it. Uh, because life is a mixed bag of good news and bad news. And I'm not talking about bad news that maybe you caused yourself. Bad news like uh, Darren rehearsed with being a minority owner, there were some things that were beyond his control. I like the story that rehearses this reality of life, that life is full of bad news and good news, is the man who's talking to his friend about his brother who got his pilot's license. His friend said, oh, that's great. No, it wasn't great because the engine caught fire. Oh, that's terrible, said his friend. No, it wasn't terrible because he had a parachute. Oh, that's good, answered his friend. No, it wasn't good because the parachute didn't open. Oh, that's awful, said his friend. No, it wasn't so bad because he had an emergency chute. Oh, that's good, his friend replied. No, it wasn't because it didn't open either. Oh, that's too bad, his friend said. No, it wasn't so bad because he had landed in a haystack. Oh, that's great, said his friend. No, that's not so great because there was a pitchfork sticking up out of the hay. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. No, no, not really. He missed the pitchfork. Oh, good. No, it wasn't. He also missed the haystack. <laughs> Life. And I think, you know, what we heard rehearsed, sometimes it is... It's so interwoven that it, it comes and invades our mind. Sometimes just imagination, bad news in the form of imagination, sometimes real. But the challenge as followers of Jesus Christ is, first, can we accept it? Can we accept, even in coming to Jesus Christ, is no guarantee that I'm going to be bathed in good news and good news only. But I have to learn to accept good news and bad news. God, help me to accept life the way it is, not as I would have it. Now, you probably wonder, why in the world did Ed come up with this uh, uh, theme? I mean, here we are, um, we're getting through the Christmas season, and we've rehearsed the incarnation, God with us. We're going to, and when Derek gets back in January, we're going to have this new series. So we have this one Sunday right here. I want to show you a picture. Show a picture of what was coming to my mind, why I picked this subject. I hope you can see it with some of the lights. It may be difficult. Look at it. Do you see where my mind was going? We just got done celebrating the incarnation, this idea that God is with us. He, he had a mission, and it was for our behalf, and he comes, and we just got through that season of what I think is celebration. I think you look at all the lights, the colors, uh, uh, the songs. I think we are in quite a joyful, celebrative mood. And now, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper, which commemorates his sacrifice on your behalf, which I equate really with bad news, that he's going to die. Certainly, it's good news because it brings us salvation. But think in terms, I want us to think in terms of the disciples now. And that's why, let's look at Matthew 26 and this passage of Scripture. Matthew 26, we often call this the Lord's Supper. 
Verse 17, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, unleavened bread because the Jews, they're rehearsing this Passover event and the Jews were held captive in Egypt and God is gonna deliver them. And one of the things God said, when it's time to go, put everything down and leave in haste. This idea of unleavened bread, we want you to know there's not even enough time to create that fermentation process. So in other words, if you have bread and you put yeast in it, don't put yeast. You gotta just leave right away. There won't be time for the yeast to do its work. You gotta leave quickly. You gotta be ready to respond. And so this got embedded in the Jewish practice of the Passover. This was really the beginning of the Passover, this uh, feast of the unleavened bread rehearsing the haste, the quickness at which Israel had to leave Egypt when God so directed. So the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Now get this, the Passover is a tremendous celebratory event for the Jews because they were in bondage, they were oppressed. This was God's way that he was going to bring deliverance to them. This is the disciples and all Jews who are practicing the Passover, really a celebration of their history, how they have been delivered, much like some of our patriotic celebrations here in the United States where we are so thrilled with the victories uh, uh, when we were oppressed because of war. This is good news their history of the Jews and how God has delivered and had their hand on them as the families would come together and rehearse it was really good news. Verse 19, he replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says my appointed time is near. Disciples are a little bit uncertain what all this means. You know, God tried to prepare. See, that's what we, you know, try to prepare for bad news as best as we can. We kind of anticipate in our mind what it may, how, how we may respond to it, but it's only anticipation. It's really not until the actual event when bad news is actually the reality of it do you know how you're going to respond. And so Jesus Christ is trying to prepare them, but now his time is really close at hand this time where he's going to actually suffer and die and be gone from them. Go into the city to a certain man. My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples, verse 19. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. Excuse me getting a little dry, to prepare the Passover. And they were familiar with the Passover. They would practice this annually. What a great celebration, not just to celebrate the Passover, but the Jesus Christ, who would be the presider at the Passover, who would be able to speak with passion as he would lead the children, of, uh, not the, the disciples, through all the emblems of the Passover and what they represented, the bitter herbs, the, um, the wafer of bread. And Jesus Christ could uh, be talking with such great passion because he had a deeper understanding 
not only what it meant in Jewish history, but what it's going to mean in the future. He directed them to prepare the Passover. Verse 20, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, now get this, how good news and bad news converges, just like you experience it sometimes. I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. Then they were very sad, and they began to say to him, one after another, surely not I, Lord. Surely not I. Now think about this. It was not obvious that it was Judas. It wasn't like when Jesus announces, one of you is going to betray me. They all point their finger. It was obvious. We knew it was that person. We could tell. It was clear. It was just the opposite. See, this is the scary thing about this scene is that Judas looked like any one of them. Judas looked like any one of them. And so they say, you know, is it me? Surely not I, Lord. Verse 23, Jesus replied, the man who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The man who dipped his hand in the bowl with me. A couple of observations. This is Judas. You know, uh, we could say there's a little bit of Judas in you and I. Judas is apparently, they're all sitting around the table, not like you see sometimes with the painting, all on one side, but circled around the table so they could exchange um, the dishes and they could partake close enough in proximity to each other that here we see Judas and Jesus Christ close enough that they can dip together. John said, and uh, Jesus dipped the bread and gave it to Judas. What we see here that Jesus, even still, even still is bestowing this honor on Judas knowing what's ahead, giving Judas a chance to repent, to have a change of heart. The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. I mean, this, this is bad news. This is bad news. When you come unto your own, when your own friends, when your own family betrays you, that is bad news. That's what some of you encounter. God, help me to accept life as it is, not as I would have it. I don't, I wish it was not that way. I wish there wasn't this betrayal in my life. Then Judas, verse 25, then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, surely not I, rabbi. Okay, we're not really sure exactly what Judas is saying. Some think he's... Uh, he, he's still contemplating, do, do I really have the nerve? Do I really to carry this out? And, and he's thinking out loud, surely not I. Others think um, he is wondering, how much does Jesus Christ really know? What has already preceded? Judas has already made a financial arrangement with the Roman guards. Jesus answered, yes, it is you. John gives uh, far more detail of this encounter where uh, 
really a, a process here we see where Judas has purposed in his heart, and then he comes up with this arrangement to make payment to the Romans as uh, one that would betray Jesus Christ and give attention, give insider information where Jesus Christ would be so they could come privately and arrest him. So Judas is in position to betray him. Yes, it is you, they tell him. While they were eating, verse 26, while they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body. See, here we have a radical new inauguration of a whole new way of thinking about the Passover. Again, the Passover was rehearsing the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt. God promised them deliverance. The stubbornness of Pharaoh did not allow them to go. And the 10 plagues come and that last plague, the death angel would pass over. That death angel would not discriminate whether rich or poor, whether smart or less smart, whether business owner or not business owner. Not about look, it all was based on one thing, the blood. The blood being over the doorpost. Because the whole Old Testament and certainly this incredible deliverance is pointing to a lamb that's gonna be future that's not the lamb that would have to be slain and put over a doorpost other than the doorpost of your heart. And so Jesus is now pointing, a new lamb has come. A new lamb has come. And the Jews would probably be wondering, certainly the, the disciples, Jesus, where is the lamb? See, I am the lamb. I am the lamb. Take heed. This is my body. What you were dependent on, children of Israel in the past, or forefathers, now you're dependent on me, regardless of good news or bad news. Then he took the cup, and he gave thanks and offered it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, Judas fell away. Why would he fall away? Why would Judas fall away after following Jesus and seeing his public ministry, the miracles and the instructions? Undoubtedly, much like you and I, we have expectations about life. We have expectations, uh, you know, about marriage, about work, about school. We have expectations when we come to Jesus Christ how life ought to go. Some of us have expectations when I come to Jesus Christ, there should be no bad news. Scripture tells you, be sober-minded. Accept life the way it is. Christians, good news and bad news. Don't have false expectations. Because if those expectations are not, met, are not met, like Judas, there's a price. Jesus did not fulfill Judas's expectation, and he was willing then to pay the price of betrayal. What's your price where you might 
turn your back to Jesus Christ? What expectations you have that are not in Scripture, that you are holding God, that will be what you weigh as to whether I want to continue to follow Jesus Christ or not, or even respond to Jesus Christ. Many of us come to Jesus Christ because we want to use Jesus Christ. We want Jesus Christ to do his work on my behalf, to keep bad news away. We are to come to Jesus Christ because God Almighty, the creator, has sent a rescuer, a savior, period. Life will take different forms and shapes of good and bad after that. To accept life as it is, though, keep in mind a different day is coming. A different day is coming um, where there's only good news. It's not now. It's not now. A different day is coming where there's only good news. That is what we can use to leverage against the bad news. This is temporary. This is gut-wrenching. I wish this had not happened. But this is temporary. Lord, help me to set my sights on something much more grand, much more glorious, far beyond the bad and good news and the pain and suffering I have in this life. Look at verse 29. Well, first, let me read 28. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin. So that's why when we do come to the Lord's table, we have the bread that represents his body and the cup that represents his blood. Verse 29. I tell you, disciples, good news, bad news, that's what you're going to encounter in this life. But I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until, until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Not an easy task in the here and now when we encounter good news and bad news to keep our eyes focused on what's up ahead. To allow that to buoy our spirits when we encounter loss and heartache and all the emotions that go with it. I think, you know, that's why it's important to accept life as it is so that we as Christians, we grieve appropriately. We grieve as God has built within us that capacity to do so. Uh, Ecclesiastes, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. The good news is a Savior has come. That's why we can come to the table in celebration with a thankful heart is because a Savior has come. The bad news is it's your rebellion, it's my rebellion that cost God his son's life. I think it's healthy to uh, contemplate the depth of that part of us that cr created this situation that caused Jesus Christ to die on your behalf. How deep is that? Don't let your aversion to bad news blind you to the truth about yourself. You know how easy it is to point your finger, oh, it, it, 
I wouldn't have got mad, but it's that person. Don't do that. That's a way you keep bad news, the truth about yourself from reconciling it in your mind. The table and the implements that we will be partaking of, the bread that represents the body of Christ, and the blood is reflective of that time on the cross, which is central to the Christian faith. There at the cross, good news and bad news collide. The good news is a Savior has come. You can be rescued. The bad news is you personally had a part that put Jesus Christ on that cross. We call this the substitutionary atonement, that Jesus Christ literally, personally, didn't just die for all of mankind, but died for you. And when the good news and bad news collides at that junction of the cross, it points to a great future. It points to a glorious future where we will drink with Christ the Savior anew in God's kingdom. And there we're told in Revelations, there's no more tears, there's no more suffering, there's no more saying goodbye. There is incredibly good news, good news. We're going to have the worship team come and play as a backdrop. I asked them to just see, keep this picture up through one, come on up uh, for one song. Um, we believe, uh, you know, it was when Judas left that Jesus Christ instituted the Lord's Supper. After Judas left, we believe this is for believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if you're a guest, you're visiting, you're from a different church, we welcome you to partake if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And just allow, as the worship team sings, and you can sing along or just look at the picture, and when you would like to move forward and take of the elements, you're free to do so. And Matt will conclude after two or three songs our service today. So let me pray. Father, God, I, I think we heard well, both from Darren, but also uh, the story of the disciples. We all squirm, Lord, when it comes to bad news, especially when it's personal. This is not a call to be pessimistic or fatalist, but to be sober-minded, to accept life the way it is. There are some things beyond our control. We want our minds focused on that which is eternal. And God, we invite you now to speak as we partake of these implements. We believe they are symbolic, representative of a deeper spiritual work that you did when your son, Jesus Christ, died on the cross, his side was pierced. So Lord, stir us in both good and bad news. In Christ's name, amen.